Welcome to a very special episode of Street Soldiers. This is our annual Push for Peace town hall event and show. We're going to talk about what's happening on the streets, gangs, guns, police, our communities. And really the focus of this event every year is how we can make things better. There's been a lot of progress, but as everybody knows, there's also a lot of problems. And then there are leaders like Eric L. Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President, who has taken an approach to the very diverse borough of Brooklyn, where all lives matter, where all communities matter, and where people need to come together, and yet understanding that in certain communities, they're in a state of crisis for what is going on. He has supported the push for peace, has uh, made it possible for us to be here in this beautiful historic building. And Eric, we really appreciate your support and would love to hear from you a little bit about what's going on and, and how you're feeling about everything. Thank you, thank you so much. And you know, as I say always, uh, it's not about me. I was never elected to be served, I'm elected to serve. And this is not my building, this is your building. You pay for it. I know many of you have walked past this building and thought that it was for other folks to come in. Hell no, it's for you to come in and sure. use it as often and as frequently as possible. And I thank you, Lisa. You know, three years running, as long as I'm here um, and as the borough president, um, you can always use this space. In five years, when I become mayor, you can use City Hall. All right, you heard that. Hello. You heard that. <laughs> Let me say this, you have, you have this distinguished group of panelists that's always been here. And I just have one message that I've been saying to all my graduates. Um, back when I was 15, I bought a beautiful sweater for my mother. And when I came home one day, she had that sweater under her foot, cleaning the floor with it. And I said, Mom, you know, what are you doing? That was my, my birthday gift to you. And she said, son, your life is a gift from God, and you're wiping the street with it. I was arrested that year. She said, every time people see you, you have a joint in one hand and a Colt 45 in the next. Everything in your life, you're destroying. She said, I'll clean this sweater. Now you clean your life. And mom had that sweater in her bag when I became a cop. She had that sweater in her bag when I became a captain. She had that sweater in her bag when I was a state senator. She had that sweater in her bag when I became the borough president, the first of color. And I bet you she's going to have it in her bag when I get to City Hall. Don't give up. The best way to fight against police brutality is not to have a cop on our block in the first place. If we man up, we don't need them. We can say, listen, we don't need you coming down this block. We're holding it down our way, and we're making sure our streets are safe. The best way to ensure that mothers don't cry because cops in blue uniform takes their lives is to make sure brothers in blue jeans are not taking their lives. We have to be consistent. A mother doesn't mourn differently because her son is killed by a cop or someone that's gangbanging on the corner. It's about no innocent person should lose their life. And this is your world. Take it. Explore it, conquer it, make sure that we can push for peace. And thank Hot 97, thank you, Lisa, for seeing the vision of making sure peace is something that we can push for. Let's make it happen again and again and again. Thank you very much. All right, Brooklyn Borough President Eric L. Adams, thank you so much. That was awesome. Thank you so much. All right, you guys ready to get it popping? All right, let's go. How about that? You heard him say we can go to City Hall. We may be back next week with a party here. I don't know. We got the right people. We got the right people. We got a lot of artists in here and a lot of music. But let's focus on this topic while we have this opportunity. Let me introduce our panel to you. Uh, the one and only Teray, hip-hop artist and radio host extraordinaire. Also with us is Kenyatta Stewart. He's a criminal defense attorney 
and he is a partner with the largest black-owned law firm in New Jersey, Hamlin Ridley. Did I get that right? Definitely did. Definitely All right. Did. Thank you so much. Okay, we're off to a good start. The one and only Tamika Mallory, president of Mallory Consulting and a civil rights activist. Also with us, one of our uh, Push for Peace original sponsors, Shanduke McFadder, president and founder of GMAC and community youth leader. <laughs> okay. Also with us, hip hop artist Graf. All right. Dr. Darren Porcher, former NYPD lieutenant and criminal, um, criminal law professor, criminal justice professor. Okay, I'm making you a law professor here. I'm thinking about the law right now. And also on the end here, he's new to street soldiers and new to the push for peace, but when he got the call, because you know I was calling up everybody, he didn't hesitate. He was like, what can I do? How can I help? Let me get involved. Please give it up big time for NFL star Tony Richardson, former New York Jets. He's in the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame. And... Uh, He's, he's in our Push for Peace Hall of Fame because he has consistently throughout his career exemplified the kind of values and uh, role models that we need in our community. And, and also he's given generously of his time and his money to many community causes and, and supporting people out there. So Tony, we're happy to have you Good to be here. with us. And uh, of course, I'm gonna come out and take your questions, but let me get the conversation going. Shanduk, I wanna start with you on this. In terms of the temperature on the streets, we hear in the media, police, African-American community in a state of crisis? Is that a media hype or is that a reality? Uh, it's both, actually. Uh, it's, it's plenty of media hype, but when you come out in these streets, uh, there still is no community relations uh, with our young people and law enforcement officers that's in our community. The most I can say is when it comes to some officers who are trained under community affairs, they have a different way of dealing with the community, but we have too many people who are not of our skin color, who don't live in our communities, who are dealing with us the same way. When they see uh, their superiors talk down in our communities in the way they do, it tells our young people that there's no hope for them. Tamika Mallory, civil rights activist, tell us what you think about where we are right now, because you're on the front lines on a in a lot of these issues and also working with a lot of people who are leading the, the, you know, the front on these issues. I think we're certainly at a crossroads that at this point we all know that the issues are very serious. There's no more trying to figure out whether or not there's racism, whether or not there's police brutality. What we've seen on these camera phones in the last several weeks and for the last several years has made it clear that there's an issue. But the problem that we deal with is, as Shandu said, you know, we have a lot of leadership like our commissioner, uh, Bill Bratton, who said that hip hoppers were thugs a few weeks ago. The type of language that is used sometimes is making the situation worse. And so we definitely need to work on these issues. And yet we were able just uh, recently since that comment to get Commissioner Bratton on Hot 97, WBLS and WLIB for our one voice. So I think he heard a lot of the, the comments that were made and the, uh, and, and, and the, fee the negative feedback that he got for that comment. So Dr. Darren Porcher, you were you were an NYPD lieutenant, high-ranking, very involved in the department. Do you think police are getting a bad rap, or what are we talking about here? Majority of police officers or a small group of them? Well, or a you, culture? A cultural, there, there is a cultural discon disconnect in connection with the police department. But we have to take in consideration, police are our first line of defense in the society we live in. However, they have a responsibility. They have, their responsibility is to police the public accordingly. 
people that live within these communities must be and need to be respected. Oftentimes with policing, we have two components. We have the order maintenance, which primarily focuses on enforcement, and then we have the public servant piece, which deals with people on a day-to-day. 90% of all police work is service-related. Service-related meaning people from the community engaging with police officers for service issues such as car accidents, lost child, etc. But the overview of that is the level of respect. The order maintenance, which is only 10%, seems like it's getting the overwhelming majority of the police budgets. 90% of these police budgets are focused on order maintenance. However, only 10% of policing is order maintenance. But as we move forward as a community, ultimately, we have a responsibility. We have eight and a half million people as citizens in the city of New York with a police force of only 30,000 people. 30,000 officers can only do but so much. We and Darren, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk, we're gonna talk about what they're gonna do. We need to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers, our Push for Peace town hall at Brooklyn Borough Hall. We'll be back right after this. Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Sierra, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, baby, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers, our town hall, Push for Peace. We have an amazing panel. We're talking about surviving the streets, all aspects of that. And Kenyatta Stewart, criminal defense attorney, in terms of what you see in the cases that come across your desk at Hunt Hamlin Ridley, what do you see happening? You know, at this point, at least I got to tell you, we are at a pivotal point, as you just said a few moments ago, but this is going to be in the history books. Where we are right now, we are all part of history. Imagine, you know, you know, years ago when they had issues with slavery and they had issues with women's rights. They were going through it. They was, you know, stressed out about it and worried about it. We're going to have 20 years from now, you're going to be thinking about how black lives matter and how, you know, you have people who make comments about how all lives matter. But just think about this, Lisa. When, when, when I'm out at a cancer walk, do I say, oh, you know what, I forgot to talk about AIDS. See, the issue is, the issue is, we have an issue with black people being killed. We don't have an issue with, as we had before, uh, 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 gays being uh, uh, um, targeted in the military. That's what the issue was. So I need you to realize, the, the cases that are coming across our desk are twofold. Right? You got officers, you know, who, and again, I didn't let you know, we represent officers on one side and represent, you know, people on Criminal the other side. Right. People charged with crime. So now, now we have officers come in and say, you know what, I don't like the idea of cameras because it stops what we do, right? And, and they say, well, you know, everyone wants to be protected. Everyone wants to be protected, but yet, when it comes down to us, they don't want us to do our jobs. On the other hand, we got people who are saying, listen, you know what, I need the camera phone. I need this in my life because this is going to be the, the, the thing that saves me. The deciding me. factor, and there's a lot of controversy about that. We're going right. to talk about that a little bit later when we get to solutions. Tony Richardson, NFL star, I want to ask you because you're in the community, you're a New York City resident, and with your experience and also having been in the NFL for so many years, what do you see going on and, and what, are thing, what are, kinds of things are people telling you? Because you're looking at this from a different perspective than most of our people. Well, no, it's actually funny you made the comment about the cell phone because I had a situation when I was in Kansas City and I got pulled over. Um, and a lot of my friends are police officers and I got pulled over and I had my phone sitting out. And the first thing I did, I said, excuse me, Mr. Officer, can you please tell me why you pulled me over? And so that's the thing as a 
as an African-American athlete, you know, driving a nice vehicle, I shouldn't be targeted, so you're not pulling me over because I have tinted windows. So that's an issue. And so I, I asked him, and he could never really give me a reason, but I let him know. I said, I'm gonna tell you right now, you're actually being recorded. And I think that definitely got me out of a situation just because, I mean, I, I was driving, it was like 55, I think I was going 45. He pulls me over and he said, um, he said, you were, he said I was driving too slow in a 55. I was like, I've never heard of that before. Um, <laughs> you know, but it was- Actually, I have. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I got pulled over. But you know, the things that we see, and obviously um, from the professional world, you know, I was so proud watching the ESPYs and see LeBron and you know, Camelo and see those guys to stand up and say, hey, you know, we have a voice, we are quote unquote celebrities, and we're gonna use our voice to, um, to bring issues or to bring this to the forefront because you know, I have um, nieces and nephews and I do fear for them sometimes on the streets. And like I said, I have a lot of friends who are police officers, but in the same sense, this stuff has to stop. And then in terms of the athletic world, because for a long time, I mean, these issues have been going on, these problems have been going on for years. And I know as a reporter trying to ask people, well, let's talk about it. And they're like, no, 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 I don't want to go on camera. I don't want to mention it because you think there's going to be repercussions. Exactly. But in, in terms of, the, we see Michael, Michael Jordan donating $2 million to the NAACP to deal with this. We saw those athletes, those, the biggest names yep. at the ESPYs. Do you, do you feel, as some of our previous guests have said, that this is a time, this is like yep. a, an historic time where people really have to make a stand? Yeah, it is. And like you said, you know, and obviously Michael Jordan got criticized a lot you know, during his playing career because he never really stood up on a lot of the issues. Well, not necessarily stood up, he just didn't talk about it. So I think now that our superstars, you know, LeBron's the highest um, of the highest, for him to step up, that gives some of the young players who are currently playing, I'm retired now, but it gives those younger players now a platform because if LeBron can do it, and these are in the height of their high you know, endorsements and all that kind of stuff, it really opens the door to, for younger guys to kind of step up and say, hey, we gotta, um, we gotta speak on these issues. Teray, what about, the, what about hip hop's response? Because that's been a conversation that we've had on Street Soldiers for a long time, where people are like, why aren't the artists speaking out? And then we just saw 23 ways you can die as a black person in America that Alicia Keys and many other artists got involved with. What do you, what do you think about, has hip hop done enough? Um, I think hip hop has is, is always been a voice for the community, a voice for the people, um, a, a voice for the voiceless, if you will. And I feel like a lot of what's being portrayed and what's being pushed to the forefront is a lot of negative content and, and a lot of imagery that is gonna perpetuate these stereotypes. You know, we need our artists to stand up and take a stand and say, listen, if it means no radio play, then so be it. If it means no endorsements, then so be it. But at the end of the day, I don't think any artist can turn a blind eye to what's happening in the communities that we all come from. You know, some of us, you make money and you leave your hood and then you never look back and you never go back. And that's why the cycle keeps going. You know, we gotta go back and pull people back and, and, and put these images and this message out there of positivity, of peace, and you know, still keep it entertaining. Of course, life is about balance. Everything is about balance. Right. You know, but sometimes I want to party and turn up, and sometimes I want to mourn a death, and sometimes I want to be in love, and I want to soak or be sad, and all these different things, but a lot of times what you see in the mainstream on terrestrial radio is just one agenda being pushed, and I think that comes from a bigger story and a bigger place. Uh, uh, definitely. Graf, you're a hip-hop artist, too. The, right. in, in, ter in, terms, in terms of the content, in terms of the message, in terms of the image, and the, and that's Teray, as you know, we appreciate you volunteering here for Push for Peace um, this year and for helping us out with the show. And that's also why we want to do the Push for Peace, too, is to, to expose the people who are doing such, such positive things in our communities and, you, and, with, and with their lives, too. So we really appreciate that. Graf, what about that in, ter in terms of hip hop and its, it's peace in, the, in all this? How do you I, see it? I think in terms of hip hop, we always been a voice, as, as uh, Tori said, we always been a voice to speak out for people who are not represented or feel they have their voices heard. 
Because right now, at this time, people are angry. We are upset as a community. What you see on TV, what you feel. When I'm in the street and I get pulled over by police, I am afraid. Whether I talk to you correctly or not, I do feel like, okay, my life could be in jeopardy. When I saw them shoot that man laying on his back with his hands in the air and they still shot him, he asked the officer, why did you shoot me? And he said, I don't know. That happened while we were still marching. Like, you can't, I don't, we have to, that's why I like this, these types of forums where we can figure out what we can do to move forward because I don't know if there is an actual getting past this. This is right. past the story. But it's we heartbreaking. Have to, we have to get past this. But I don't know if it will ever actually stop. Like, I don't, like, I don't know. I, the, only, the only solution to me, I, we have to see repercussions. Uh, we have, we have, we got, we got to see the cops actually take accountability and, 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 that, be and that's a theme. That's a theme to me. A lot of people have talked about is that they, there's a sense that yes, understandably, sometimes things are going to go wrong when you're in the streets. But it, this this sense that many people have that there's two systems of justice right. in America and there isn't justice for all. That is that is my uh, that's my take on it too. Like I think if we really have some type of accountability, like somebody steps, okay, yes, I was wrong, and you take accountability for your actions, and you get penalized for that, then that makes sense. Because think about it, in any system, it's chaotic if there's no sense of repercussion or, or punishment. If, if there was no laws to stop you, we would go outside and murder, steal, rob all like day, and nobody would ever stop. Right. You, have, you gotta be, right. yeah, it'd be like the purge, exactly. You gotta, be, you gotta police the police as well, so, and I'm not saying all cops are bad, because some of them actually out no, there doing the their jobs. No, the reality is when, when you're in a jam, if somebody has a gun to your head exactly. or like, comes in your store and wants to rob you, you want to call them You'll call the police. Right. Exactly. exactly. Let, me just, let me just say, though, that you know, I think we have to shift our conversation and our consciousness. It's not going to happen by us just calling for there to be accountability. The question is, what are we willing to sacrifice in order to force accountability? Right. right. What do you that is, like Okay, that. but, but explain that. Explain that. So what that means is that we have 1.3 billion dollars of spend a trillion dollars excuse me of spending power in this country that's the only thing that we have that gives us the power to speak mm. so if we are going and purchasing mcdonald's products and Go uh, going to walmart and going to these places that are specifically contributing to mass incarceration because what we what we think is that police brutality is somehow a separate issue that you know that's just something that happens on the street no Police officers were established in 1865 as a part of keeping the slaves that had just been recently freed, tamed. keeping them tamed. And therefore, they are still participating in what is called a slave labor system. So when they arrest you for selling Lucy cigarettes, the, the goal is to get you in prison. Once you get in prison, you're making products for 23 cents an hour Profit. for these major corporations. Profit. So there's a big thing that's happening here, and people are looking at let's go fight one commissioner. It's not about one commissioner or one police department. It's about an overall system that looks to, that seeks to oppress us, and we have to start thinking differently and thinking bigger and broader. All right, we're gonna talk about thinking bigger and broader. This is Street Soldiers Town Hall, our Push for Peace, our sixth annual town hall. We'll be back right after this. What up, this is Trey Songz, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers Push for Peace Town Hall. We're live at Brooklyn Borough Hall, thanks to uh, Borough President Eric L. Adams. We have an amazing panel. We are talking about the issues of surviving the streets, obviously, this summer. One of the biggest issues connected with that as part of that 
is Police Community Relations. And joining us for this discussion, Torre, Kenyatta Stewart, Tamika Mallory, Shanduk McFadder, Graf, Darren Porcher, and Tony Richardson. And I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, at Lisa Evers. And you can post your comments using the hashtag pushforpeace. Now, in term, you had a comment, sir, you wanted to make for our panel? Okay, let's go over here to the audience and uh, see what comments everybody has. Um, the question I have, qualified immunity. What does that mean? What is the definition of that as it relates to our federal officials as well as our state officials? And what is the definition of abuse of qualified immunity that they hide behind? And then once we get that answer about getting that in the hands of the people who have the phones, who can say, this is what happened, this is what happened, this was abuse, this is not abuse. Okay, let, let me simplify, that was a really complicated question and a lot of issues, you're raising a lot of issues. I'm gonna bring it down to something real simple here, if you don't mind, is that okay? All right, so the, the question is, there were a lot of people, I'm gonna throw this out to the panel and everybody please jump in, you know, whenever you want to. There was the, we talked about the camera phones, Tony, you talked about the camera phone, you know, how you used it and you felt it helped you and also people becoming aware for a lot of time people, in other communities outside the black community became aware of what was really going on to African Americans because of these cell phone videos. But then we had the Eric Garner case where people saw what happened on video and yet that police officer is still being paid as a member of the NYPD, was not indicted by a grand jury. So there are a lot of people, Kenyatta Stewart as the attorney, that feel that, you know what, the, everybody thought the camera phone was gonna be the game changer and yet, here it is, it's like same old, same old. All right, so it's two points, right, it's two points. It's the administrative aspect of it, right? So if an officer has an internal affairs complaint against him, who is making the decision on if it should be founded or not? Police officers. So if I got a police officer who has done something and my friend here is making a decision on if what I did was wrong, well, guess what? No, he ain't do nothing, he all right. So and, and your friend who's going to have to, may have to come and come help back you out one me. day and right. have your so, back. So I think one of the solutions is this. I think we need to come together, come together and force there to be a mandatory change in the internal affairs process. Make the internal affairs process an elected process as well. Let there be somebody from each borough on the attorney affairs with officers. You mean before it even, in other words, you're saying they're baking the cake before we even get to right. see it. Exactly. So yes, 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 that's the administrative let, aspect. Let's find out because, Darren, weren't you in internal affairs? I was a lieutenant in the internal affairs bureau At NYPD. for NYPD. years. Yes. So what about what Kenyatta is saying? Well, let's keep I it can 100. understand keep it at 100. one point. Keep I it think that the process. Keep it a thousand. I, I think keep the live audience here. I'm just saying. I think that the process should be more transparent. I've seen many officers that have come before me with cases that I felt should have been substantiated. However, they came up with a final recommendation of unsubstantiated. In terms of the level of um, in the level of transparency and an independent monitor. Police trials are presided by someone that's appointed by the police commissioner. The police commissioner appoints someone as a trial commissioner, and that So isn't that what Kenyatta was saying? It's basically like having your friends- Hear me out, hear me out. That's one of those things that I feel that the police officer shouldn't have the ability to appoint. I think that should be a mayoral or an, or an attorney Why general's appointment. Why not just have them elected? 
Excuse Why me? not let the people decide who makes that decision? I don't know. I'm I okay with that. Can, can no, no, let, me, let me just say, let me just, let me throw this out here too. Just mm -hmm. as for coming at this from the oppo sure. uh, opposite end, and I want, I want to get some of these audience questions. We can say have an elected office, but let's let's be real. We've seen a lot of elected officials <laughs> going off in handcuffs lately. I agree. So it's it's like, is that really any guarantee of what's going on? Let's take a question or comment. Hocus Four Fifth from the Bronx came to Brooklyn here to support. Yes. Uh, I'm hoping for a fifth. So the police commissioner, right, he's like the boss of all police, right? And hip-hop is a culture, and hip-hop was created by black people. It's predominantly black people, even though it's worldwide. So when you got a, a, a police commissioner talking about hip-hop is for thugs, obviously, to me, that tells me that he's a racist. And I think we need to remove him from being the police commissioner. So. Okay, well, this week he said he's not going to be around for the second term Lisa. with Mayor de Blasio. Yes, jump in, and panelists, yes. please jump yes. in. Um, I, I think we get in. I think we get in too far off, especially when we talk about young people. They ain't okay. got time. Ain't got time for all that. They not they, the bureaucracy and this paperwork and that and who should have. They ain't got time for that right now. It's hot in these streets, and we need to come with tangible solutions for them today, right? And teach them how to be able to deal with these interactions with these police officers because things are happening in front of them, they're seeing no response, and nobody's getting in the ground to, and talking to them and telling them this is how you interact with these officers because they see you as nothing. So we want to teach you how to address that so when they talk to you, you're safe to walk away. All right, let's, let's talk about that with the panel because we got a tremendous amount of expertise that, that's right here. Tony Richardson, your, your position when you got stopped, there you are, I mean, you're one of the, you know, riding high as an NFL player, Kansas City Chiefs, people coming up to you all for the autograph, you're in the car that you worked hard for, and you get pulled over. Yeah, I mean, think, think about the situation with the tennis player that was uh, in, right in the city. James Blake. James Blake, and he gets wrestled down to the street for the wrong, I mean, he's a professional tennis player, so I mean, it really doesn't matter if you are a professional athlete or not. I mean, he, luckily for me, the police didn't really come, he didn't come at me too strong to where I had to make a comment, but I was like, yeah, I asked, he couldn't answer the question why he pulled me over, and finally he just said it because I was driving too slow. But it is, I mean, it, you know, being in the city, I live in Queens, I mean, I do worry, you know what I mean? When I'm out late night, if I'm, when I'm driving, you know, like you said, how you interact with the police officers and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's something we definitely, we definitely. Trey, what about you? Do you ever have any experiences I mean, like that? I, of course, as you know, I'm, I'm a Brooklynite. I've been in New York City my whole life. I've been pulled over numerous times, um, most times unwarranted. There's this an abuse of power. That's the bottom line. You know, people um, in any other field, whether you go to get a sandwich made, they might put mayo on you, ask for mustard. You might get a shirt that's, you know what I mean, wrong. The buttons don't line up the way it's supposed to be. People make mistakes. These are human beings. People make mistakes. The accountability is own up to the mistakes you made, and then let's figure out a way to rectify. Okay, this but, but Shan, Man, Shan Duke's what organization, what mistakes, what mistakes is being made with people? All they these make, shooting these, people. That's not. Well, mistakes. that's what I'm saying, right? Obviously, they it's keep not. Keep coat and they shooting us down. And we talk about mistakes. These are not mistakes. They need, they okay, let, let me. We have a pan, right? We have a, and we have a lot of expertise. Shanduke, you're talking about. You work with a lot of the youth. Your organization, GMAC, Lisa, a lot Lisa, of them are here. Lisa, I'm in the streets, and as a person who's not out here committing crimes, who's out here doing positive, if I'm driving, and the police pull behind me, and I ain't got a gun in the car, my license is good, I'm still scared to death. 
I ain't scared of the shooters in the street. I'm scared of the police. And I had a lot of people in here could, could speak up to that. Hey, listen, That's what we got to, how, do we, how do we take that trauma from our communities and dealing with these police officers? And, and that is the issue. And let's talk about, let's take this moment while we have the panel and while we have the audience, you talk about how to serve the best, the best way. There is no way that's foolproof and guaranteed, but there are certain things. Kenyatta, when you're pulled over. Listen, I've been pulled over many times. As a matter of fact, I remember one time I was pulled over. I, well, one thing I always do On your do way is, to court? Listen, this is what I always do. I put my phone on airplane mode and put it on record. And listen, I'm speaking into the mic. And is it in my pocket? Officer, as he just said, officer, why you pull me over? And if they mother F me, well, you know what? I got to live through the moment, though. I can't react to him being an animal like an animal. Definitely not. If a dog you is chasing after you, you don't go fight the dog. You got to calm down. So you have to live through the moment to be able to tell the story. Darren Portia, he brings up a very valid point. You as a citizen on the street, you can't win in a police encounter. You have to fight a battle that you can win. That battle is felt, excuse me, meaning you call up the Internal Affairs Bureau or you make a civilian complaint. I hear the, the, the camera phone, that's an excellent tool. You want to employ as many resources as possible when you make that complaint, such as who's standing around. Get people's names. Let me tell you, the average person that walks the streets is photographed or videoed roughly 100 times over. When I worked in the Internal Affairs Bureau, one of the first things that we did when we had a complaint was we viewed the, view, the businesses in that neighborhood to pull that, to pull that video to see if this actually happened. Okay, but let, let me so, bring it back to what Shandu was raising in terms of the, the, that moment when you're pulled over. Right. You get, I, you get, get, pull, I get nervous. Let me, let me ask you this, because this is what people have said on this show, and this is what I have heard in interviews. You get pulled over, you turn the car engine off, you roll the windows down, and if it's at night, you turn the lights on, the internal lights on in the car. True or false? All four so windows on. Lights on. And you Keep stick your mind. ID out the window and don't say nothing. Let him give you a ticket. All right, but hear me out. You can do all of those things. And look at what happened to the gentleman down in Florida. He was shot. Right. He had his hands up. So this, this uh, approaches on a more topical issue in that what can the police department do proactively as opposed to reactively in terms of the candidates that come into okay. service? How do all right, they train that's, that's these solutions and that's systemic, but let's take some questions real quick. So actually, I really have a comment. I want to um, congratulate all of you guys for standing up um, for this issue. Uh, but I also like to say that it's definitely important that we, uh, as a people, we provide support, we find solutions, and this was a way to actually build community. Um, and it starts with us. Collaboration is key. Absolutely. And it's important that we all have this discussion amongst kids, youth, exactly. adults, Elderly, we need to have sessions like this. It could be weekly, monthly, but we need to be talking about it to let our kids know how to deal with these issues. Okay, and then you raise the you raise the issue of children, especially after the Philando Castile case in Minnesota. There were kids that were like, "Wait a minute, are, am I supposed to be afraid of the cops and just the level of violence?" Tamika, well, actually, I was just going to speak to her issue about unity because I think that is a key component of what is missing in this conversation. It's us being able to unify. Right. We are having a lot of great dialogue today, but we're talking about reforming a racist system, and it is impossible to stand there and fight mm -hmm. every single point of it. We have to figure out ways to attack the system and make it work for us, because it begins to recognize that people have shifted and we're going to do things differently. As long as we continue to have arguments back and forth about no, cameras right. versus this versus that, we're not going to win anything. Our conversation has to be, we have a mayor who, who put in place 
a commissioner who is not doing the job for Absolutely. us. And therefore, right. that mayor must be changed if he does not get us the right type of commissioner. That's the bottom right line. Right type of okay. And let's, you got a question or comment? Yeah, a comment. Okay, first of all, our, our communities are being over-policed. Right. It needs to be, stop criminalizing everything. Everything is criminalized. So they have to stop criminalizing. Oh, I just heard recently that Okay, if you smell like marijuana, that's not a crime. It's not a crime anyway. You smell like you don't find anything on me. They're criminalizing everything, and it's easier to make their quotas in our communities where, where we don't have money. You know, so they don't go to the rich, rich neighborhoods right. to uh, enforce these crimes as much as they go to the poor communities to enforce these crimes where they can. They can make let me, okay, let me ask Tony that because so, he's been in all communities, rich and poor, as a man of color. What do you think about what he just said? More I mean, police in, in, in low-income and communities of color? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, I can't really uh, talk on, and speak on behalf of the police, but I've been in neighborhoods both. I mean, so sometimes even living in a nice neighborhood, when the police come by, it's not like that I feel like I'm, I'm any safer. You know what I mean? So it's kind of... Um, you know, even coming through, you know, in, in, in bad neighborhoods, sometimes you feel as though when the police comes through, he's coming through to, to wreak havoc. You know what I mean? That's how, that's how I feel as an African-American. All right. Hip-hop gamer, real quick. Real quick. Uh, first of all, thanks, everybody, um, for being here. Now, the things I want to say is, like, if you look at the Aragona situation, the cop... You know what? I'm, get, I'm getting the cut sign. I'm going to come back to you. I promise you. I'm going to come back to you. I'm getting that cut sign from, from Michael Medium here. This is uh, Street Soldiers Push for Peace, live from Brooklyn Borough Hall. We'll be back right after this. Yo, what up? It's the game, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers Push for Peace Town Hall, live from Brooklyn Borough Hall. We are focusing on surviving the streets with an emphasis on police community relations. And we have a special panel that is breaking this down. Torrey, Kenyatta Stewart, Tamika Mallory, Shanduke McFadder, Graf, Darren Porcher, and Syriac from 500 Men making a difference. Hip-hop gamer, I promise you, we'd, we'd start with your question or comment. Now, I'll, I'll make this real quick. Um, in the Eric Garner situation, right, um, how he got choked out uh, by that cop, that cop would not have done that if that was his mother. You see what I'm saying? And what I feel is the support that I was saying about the relationships. I think it's the police responsibility to get out and instead of trying to criminalize people, just come out and say, hey, what's your name? How you doing? What you need? Just like Officer Norman, uh, um, T. Norman does on his Instagram. I think it's up to them to be responsible since they're in a position of power. All right, what about that, anybody? One of, the on things, that? one of the things that you have to take in consideration is the police department is driven by statistics. And these statistics are oftentimes enforcement related. Um, and that's what police commanders, that's how police commanders are held accountable. So oftentimes you have police commanders that partake in these uh, quality of life um, in issuances, whereas they give out these summonses, they arrest these people in these communities of color. But when you, it's a very interesting dynamic because when you look at communities, I want to say the affluent communities, you have bike, you have people that ride bikes and you have people that smoke weed. But when you look at the number of summonses for bike riding and possession of weed, it pales in comparison to what you see in the communities of color. Therefore, we have a, a significant change that needs to occur in the policing in these communities of color. All right, let's take a question or comment. You had a question or comment? I have a comment. Uh, my name is Maurice Ballard. I was uh, born in prison, adopted by an Italian family in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn in the 80s when uh, Michael Griffin was killed and Yusuf Hawkins, when he was um, actually killed by Italians. I lived with an Italian family. The racism that was happening in the 80s is still happening now, today, 
and I knew you know, self-destruction, music video, and things like that. I just wish that these guys here was there in the 80s where we could have probably got over that by now. But it's just crazy on how we're still going through it today. All right, some people say that, but you know, we had, we had a guest on Street Soldiers, and she said, you know what, this is almost the same discussion taking place 30 years ago. She said it was very, very depressing. Tamika, solutions. It, it, it is. I mean, it, and it's, I can't say anything different. I'm going to go back to the same thing. You're saying we just if keep we, dancing around what the big issue is. We keep dancing around the bigger issue. The bigger issue is we have voting power, we have spending power. And if we are not looking at those two issues as how we're going to correct these problems, it is not going to change. They can give us new commissioners. They can change. They can retrain. You cannot retrain racism. You have to punish. But how do you explain? Racism. But how do you explain? Let's look at the Freddie Gray case. Half the officers were were black officers. You look in, in Dallas, the police department, African American. The color, because the color is not black and white. It's blue. There's a color of blue that we are dealing with. So that means that trying to box it in, the only people who are the same consistent color are those of us who are on the side of the oppressed. That's the color that matters here, that black lives matter. At the end of the day, black people have to stop acting like we are somehow weak in this situation. We are very powerful. Yes. And we have to use what is at our disposal. We just talked on this uh, during the break about the presidential piece and how we're going to vote for certain presidential candidates. Well, there are congressional races and city council races and state senate races that we also have to be focused on. All right. You want to make a comment? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say I totally agree. The problem is that a lot of people don't realize the power that they have in the communities. And it's not just a black thing, but it's a poverty thing. In a lot of poverty-stricken areas, that's where a lot of abuse is going on. So if you live in an area that's predominantly Hispanic and blacks and you're white, you get judgment just as much as the black person does or the Hispanic does as well. And also the problem is too, it also starts at home. Everybody's got to start planting new seeds in these children's heads about loving themselves, respecting themselves, respecting others, because this world will never change until the respect changes everywhere. Respect all the way around, that's a great point. Question? Thank you. Uh, thank you for everyone on the panel. My name is Cheyenne Bostock. I'm a relationship coach, and I deal with a lot on emotional intelligence. And I think that we need to have a conversation with our sons. I have an eight-year-old son and I had to explain to him what emotional intelligence is. And all that means is being smart about the way you express yourself. So when, a, when an officer is approaching you, that's not the time to decide, oh, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not gonna comply. That's the, that's the time to comply with the officer and figure out what's going on later. I, had, I was actually wrongfully arrested and I didn't fight. I happily went away in handcuffs because I knew, you knew I was gonna contact was. the lawyer the next day yeah. and get paid, which I did. It's interesting right, that he so, said so, that. Um, so, so that's it. Yes. Him mentioning emotional intelligence was a good thing because I, I had that same discussion. I said those cops that murdered those innocent victims did not have emotional intelligence. I said the same thing about the adverse, so that's kind of crazy. But I think also just like, um, like racism, racism ain't going nowhere. We all know that already. So trying to attack that is not even, it, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a never ending fight right there. But what, but about, I think, using, what I think, about using purchasing power No, no I agree with her. Power. I agree with her to try to make changes within the system is what we got to really attack. And I do believe that to have any type of faith in this flawed system, we got to see some kind of, um, one, accountability taken when they are wrong, and two, some kind of justice being served. Like if those cops that committed those murders don't get any time, don't go to jail for breaking the law, then we can't trust the system. It's like, Terrain, you, you, you force all, people to rebel all, in another kind of way. 
it's all systemic. You know, the system is not broken. The system is working fine. The system was never designed for us. Absolutely. So their system is working fine. They still staying in power. They still staying educated. They still making their money. They still staying in wealth. The system is not broken. What we need to do is overhaul the system. You know, we've seen it in the past. We've seen it in other countries. We've seen it in other dynasties. You know what I'm saying? Walls come down. People get overthrown. This is what we have to do. This is where we are in these times. And this, what we are today is that we have to overturn the system. We have to overturn the government and show them that, listen, the people matter. The people are here. The people put you guys in power. The people guys put you in position. We now are the people who need to make sure things are working in our favor and not just in their favor. Syriac, what about, what about you and also with the, the motives behind uh, 500 men making a difference and also your, your purpose, empowering yourselves and the community? To well, what Tamiko was saying about using the power. We're big on making sure that we speak to a lot of the youth that's impacted by seeing these things. Right. A lot of these youth are actually affected adversely, and we, we talk about PTSD in a lot of different situations with soldiers. A lot of these young folk are, are suffering from PTSD, just being exposed to this massive amount of anxiety on a consistent basis, seeing someone shot down for no apparent reason, and, and understanding that it could be you at any moment, that's something that's very serious. And, and, and that's, a, that's a weight that, that only people of color can really understand, Absolutely. especially Absolutely. men. All right, you have a question or comment? Yes. Um, we spoke about hitting them in the pockets. We spoke about them taking accountability for their actions, but no one is talking about education, being educated. How can we fight a system when we don't know how to fight that's it? We have to teach we have to teach each other and ourselves. We talk about them taking accountability for their actions, yes, be but we have to take accountability Absolutely. for ourselves. what yes, what we choose to do and how we choose to fight a system. You know, um, there's a quote that I actually love. You know, violence is a black child going to school for 12 years and only receiving six years worth of education. That's right. mm. uh, we had that. I believe that that's where it starts. You spoke about you know um, the governor, uh, the mayor electing a commissioner. That's, Commissioner, that's not for us. So what about us becoming the judges, us becoming the, the, the lawyers, us becoming the mayor so that we elect the commissioner for us? Okay, what, what, what about that, Graf? I agree with her. Education is definitely a big part of that. I think we lack a lot of the tools that we would need to even fight and make change. That's real. Kenyatta. I got to tell you, listen, I'm a project kid. I was born in the projects, I hung in the projects. I, I'm a project kid. I'm still the guy that still walk around with a wad of money even though I'm supposed to have a debit card. I have project mentality, mm -hmm. if I may. But on the other hand, listen, I think in laws, okay? And we make it so that it's mandatory that police are trained on an annual basis. See, that's the problem, we don't realize. An officer becomes a, a, somebody becomes an officer, they get trained through this whole process. Hear me out, and then, they don't get trained to get into some habits. Or, or, psycho, or have psychological, psychological evaluation. No, we got to go back. We got to so go what, to that about, training, what, what Lisa. Lisa, what we have to go to that? that training. We have to change the training that they get. Of course. We have yeah. to, they got to go in front of hiring panels to come into our communities. Who are you? What makes, what makes you somebody who can work in this community? They get the job and they get put in our areas. We can't have that and no then more. They what leave. about, but there have, been there have been changes that have been made in the Nypd where they paired experienced officers with the new officers, they're not Experience taking Experience versus training. There's a certain type of mentality you gotta have in dealing with a young boy who know everybody around him to be murdered, and then all he knows is that you wanna murder him as well. How do you relate to him? If you're not trained to be able to relate to him, you're never gonna be relate to him. Graf, we can train that? our kids, but we gotta train professionals. Let me speak on that too, he's right, because one time I got pulled over around my way on Jamaica Ave, just for like a suspended license, and this officer, I got when he was taking me into cuffs, 
he was so nervous. He was trembling. I was like, yo, calm down. It's cool. I'm right. walking with you. Like, you ain't got to worry. Right. You ain't going I'm to getting out in a couple hours, fam. I'm good. Right. He was trembling, holding my hand. Did you, so did you steal his girl at a club too. or something? I mean, what happened? Possibly. But I don't think he would know that. Nah. But he was, just, he was so nervous that that fear contributes to the tension. how they violate right. the, the blacks. Because he just... He was afraid. I'm like, all right. So some why police, so some police departments, cool. some police departments around right. the United States have started daring porch. You can comment on cult, what they're calling Implicit cultural competency. Yeah. Because Implicit it's also true training. if you grow up in a middle class area and then now you're in an inner city area. You won't understand. You're thinking the cultural you bias. The cultural bias is implicit bias that training. That implicit the implicit bias is one piece and cultural bias is another. Right. Just looking at the just looking at the culture of the police department. There needs to be some changes. How can we affect change and it needs to be an ongoing process. I heard a uh, gentleman mention it, it needs to happen every year but it needs to be a constant revolution. People as poli police officers need to refer to people as human beings, as customers. Not subjects. As customers, not thugs, not, subjects. not low lives, not perps. That cultural change is something that's a constantly evolving process. And do they need to be rewarded? With, Should they be rewarded for their contacts and knowledge of the community? Absolutely. And that goes back to a qualitative assessment and not a quantitative assessment. In terms of how many the arrests they're making. Exactly. The quantitative assessment right. is, is what's being pushed, not the qualitative piece. And how you can assess the qualitative piece is when you sit down with an officer on a regular basis and you challenge them on the community contacts that they make. Those community contacts that they make shouldn't necessarily be community leaders, but how about the 15-year-old that hangs out in front of a building? Those are the people that oftentimes feel a level of disenfranchisement because the community leader has the access, right. but the people right. that just come out to play basketball, sit on a bench, those are the, that's the disenfranchised population that the police department has fail to address. All right, we're going to have to, I wish we had more time for this discussion yeah, because uh, there's a lot of questions and comments from the audience I'm not going to be able to get to, but I want to thank all of our panelists, Tere, Kenyatta Stewart, Tamika Mallory, Shanduk McFadder, Graf, Dr. Darren Porcher, Syriac, and Tony Richardson. Thank you all very, very much for being with us for this special Street Soldiers Town Hall Push for Peace. And thank you so, so much to Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams and uh, my whole team, Lisa, at Fox and at Hot 97. Thank you all very, very much. And all the community groups that came out to show us so much love. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace. I want to give a special thank you to our sponsor, Metro Plus, for making this possible.